Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. I'm Alex, and I have not read any of Garth Ennis's Preacher. And I'm Nick, and I have read all of Garth Ennis's Preacher. Today we will be discussing episode 6 of the show titled Sundowner. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension, any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through episode 6, so pause this and go watch the show before you listen to the rest of our episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. Uh, that's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter. And you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on air. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. Um, Nick? Yes, sir. Thank you for your service while I was gone. Absolutely. Out of the country and out of the state. And, welcome, uh, welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to the to, flock. Yes. <laughs> thank you, John, for filling in for me as well. That was You're fantastic. You're welcome, Alex. <laughs> I don't know how you turned into Mickey Mouse, but that's okay. That was John from across the room. <laughs> um, two housekeeping things. AMC has renewed Preacher for a 13-episode season two. That's fantastic. It's exciting. Uh, I hope it's a real renewal and yeah. not, uh, what was the other show? Oh man, I should have thought about it this before I made the reference. Another show, uh, just had a first season and they said it was renewed for a second and then it got canceled. They, they were like, just kidding. Like two months later. Oh God. Oh, what is it? I don't know. It'll come to me. All anyway. Right. Report back. Yeah. It, it was nothing, nothing particularly worth. like exciting. <laughs> I, I forgot what it was, but yeah, it was a series that I think some people enjoyed, but it wasn't crushing it or anything. Yeah. Well. We're glad that it's got a 13-episode run. It was vinyl, I think. Oh, the HBO show? Yes, I think that was the one. I could... No, you know what? That one was canceled also. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I read an article. I think it was. I read an article so about they it. Where they faked someone out? They said, uh, they said it was going well, and they were going to do it for a second season, and then a couple more months passed, and they were like... The no, official word was like... It. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been one they of those. They changed showrunners, though, I guess, partway through the season. Like, huh. they, I guess they just wasn't clicking for them, and... I don't know. It's strange. Huh. But anyway, uh, it seemed like there were some people commenting in the article. They were like, oh, that's too bad. Like, we thought there was going to be another one, and no, there's not. Yeah. Hopefully well, this one is true. Yeah, hopefully this one sticks. Uh, we would like to continue going to Texas as long as Preacher runs. I think that would be nice. So uh, please feel free to encourage us to do so by letting us and other people know uh, that you're listening uh, by either telling a friend uh, if they're watching the show or rating and reviewing us on your platform of choice. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, Google Play, or whatever you're listening to us on. Uh, the more you do that, the better our show does, and the more content we can give you. So uh, please let people know you're listening. Um, the other thing is, last week, uh, John and Nick discussed a man on a big console uh, monitoring something. I think you guys thought maybe it was power, uh, but they mentioned on the Preacher Insider podcast that it was actually a pressure gauge and that he's relieving pressure. Uh, and then Nick, you and I discussed before this, we, we started recording that maybe that's connected to the vents that are on Jesse's property or that are close by the church. And I'm maybe theorizing that that's potentially why Odin is interested in Jesse's property because there's something underneath there of interest 
You know what? I think I just put all the pieces together. <laughs> and I don't necessarily want to reveal it to the audience. Because I think you and I have discussed something previously. Potentially. I think we might be... Well, we'll 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 have a conversation after the episode yes, about yes. that. So yeah, I let's do, just I, say there's once again. I mean, for another week in a row, the last two weeks, I think I, I mentioned to John both times that the Preacher Insider podcast is really great. Absolutely, and I think it's it's really phenomenal. And that that exact same talking point you are you're speaking of right now with the, with Homer Simpson, as we called him, uh, popped up in my mind in, the, in that episode as well, but for a different reason because. The the show is so hilariously written. There's yeah. so many like really clever devices throughout the series, and that they said that that was their way of like literally and figuratively relieving pressure because there's all these like tense scenes behind yeah. it, and then you just get a scene of an old man <laughs> of the dial. Yep. And they were like, they were laugh. They made themselves laugh. They're like, yeah, it's 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 it is a man relieving, but it's also like relieving the audience's pressure of like, okay, here's something new to focus on. Yeah. And I just thought that was really funny that I, I could picture them sitting in their writers' room saying, okay. Great scene. What what do we do next? How do we relieve some pressure? And someone's like, I got an idea. <laughs> we have a man relieving Literally pressure. Relieving pressure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just it's it's right in right in line with everything they've done so far. And I That's thought the, just the conversation was really funny. Yeah. Absolutely. So please And I love the revolving roster on the show too. They keep having different people on. Yeah, the one thing that I wish they would do, and maybe it'll be more of a thing in season two, uh the Better Call Saul guys are really, really good at pulling in the actors as well. Mm. So you get I mean, uh Bob Odenkirk shows up on there all the time. Uh they used to have and Jonathan Banks has been on there. They've had all kinds of people from the show on there to talk about the acting as well. Because I think right now it's a very production heavy it is podcast which is awesome but i also like having some of the the acting in there as well so hopefully they get to that especially because they do spend a lot of time praising a lot of the acting yeah the acting choices absolutely so it it would be cool to hear some of the process between especially between like fior and de blanc like if they got those guys in there to kind of talk about how they play off of each other it'd be pretty cool so all right, let's step right into this episode here, episode six, Sundowner. Uh, we've got Fiorin de Blanc explaining that the thing inside Jesse isn't God. It's actually called Genesis, and it seems to be the love child of a treasonous angel and a treasonous demon. We finally got yes. to what it is. Thank you. Are you happy? Absolutely. <laughs> I was That's hoping good. they were going to depict it a little bit because in the book they do. They, uh, and it's it's not it's nothing too much. It's just a couple couple panels of yeah. kind of the, the meeting of this angel and this demon. But it's it's cool. It's like a neat. That seems it's a like very a, striking visual visual. Uh, it seems album. like something they would do for a teaser. You know, like maybe like the finale. We'll see that. Exchange Maybe. in the beginning of the yeah. episode or something like that. It's true. But we'll see. That could happen. It is cool too because the I think generally well, I don't know. I guess uh I think uh, frequently when people think of, of demons, they're kind of masculinized. They're kind yeah. of and, and angels tend to be more I mean, obviously a lot of the, the, the hallmark angels through through the Bible are, are men, but I think people tend to think of like they like like women. Even Gabriel's like feminine looking right. in a lot of depictions. Yeah, and in the book, the the demon is female and the angel is male, which is just kind of an interesting visualization. It's really cool the way it's depicted in the book. That's awesome. But anyway, yes, finally, uh, it's it is called Genesis. It is exactly that, and it is exactly what it is. So it's really, it's really cool. Awesome. Uh, so then we see some kind of unassuming woman that uh, Fiorin de Blanc go to interrogate, and it turns out that. 
the woman is a seraphim sent to recover Fiorin de Blanc as they are unregistered angels on Earth. There's consequences for them being on Earth as, as angels. Uh, we also learn that when they come back, it's called reinvigoration. And there are some rules to it, but they're kind of fast and loose of like, we don't really know where we're going to pop up again, but we might come back close. We might come back further away from where we were, that kind of thing. So um, interesting to learn a little bit more about that, too. Mm -hmm. And then uh, finally, we end that first. uh, Oh, we also learned that the phones are a direct line to heaven if you have an angel hand. It seems yes. like there's a place for them to place their hand on mm-hmm. like the cover of the phone and then pick it up or something like that. So, um, And then finally, the teaser kind of culminates in this brawl at the Sundowner Motel uh, that we kind of get to watch through the hole in the wall uh, as they're trying to restrain the Seraphim because if they kill it, it'll just come back. Uh, what do you think of the fight? It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. It's pretty entertaining. I... I didn't. Uh, what's funny about the, the a lot of the action in this series is it's uh, a lot of the magic of the way they're shooting a lot of their fight scenes is starting to wear off for me a little bit. Okay, like it started off and I was like, okay, like more people fighting, and the whole time I was kind of wondering the the rules for when Jesse chooses to use his power are very strange to me. I don't frequent. I don't really understand his motivation because I feel like in that moment, I mean, his life was plainly threatened plenty of times and instead he just kind of keeps fighting because these two goons told him not to use it. Yeah. It was kind of, uh, even though he used it on them. Right. And so, and like he even says, it worked on you. It'll work on her. So uh, that was, I was like, this is a little weird, but but whatever. And and then it got super entertaining when Fior kept reappearing out of the bathroom like that. For some reason that just kept cracking me up. Yeah. And then he just, again, and it was almost like they used, the same take a couple times. Like it was just really, there's something really silly about it. Yeah. And then the shot through the hole was, of course, really funny and all, yeah. all the yelling. And, and but yeah, like listening to the things that there's, like, I think DeBlanc tells him to stab her gently or something mm-hmm. like that. You, yeah. You should watch that scene with, with captions because yep. it's, it's pretty funny. A lot of the little bit of, bits of dialogue that are being thrown around in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was entertaining. It was, uh, it was pretty good. They keep finding these little innovative twists on these fights. Yeah. To keep them kind yeah. of fresh. Uh, so that was the end of the teaser. Act one opens up again with them still trying to restrain the the seraphim and prevent it from reinvigorating. But Cassidy walks in and shoots it in the head. Yep. And then it becomes a four on one fight. Uh, but they finally seem to restrain it. Fiore takes care of it, and Jesse decides he's not giving Genesis back, uh, even though Fiore and DeBlanc are the custodians of Genesis. Yeah, so just, I guess it doesn't matter. I was confused what Fior did. I'm like, so she just chop her up into a bunch of bits, and how does she not die? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, he, what, how, what is the phrase that he uses? I think he says, I disarticulated her, yes. or something like that. Which, I don't, maybe he, I, it sounded like he was using a big chainsaw. Sounded he like was the chainsaw, using the chainsaw. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, maybe he just took all of her limbs off, and now she's just whatever. Limbless in the <laughs> like, It doesn't matter. Yeah. It was just confusing. I was like, okay. He didn't kill her. But somehow took care of her, so I don't know. Um, and then Jesse turns around and uses Genesis to order the two of them to stay away from him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Fiora suggests the other option, which I think we know is killing Jesse. Uh, I think maybe no. So there's something else. There's oh, a yes. bigger weapon. Uh, so we'll maybe see more about that later. Yeah. Um, and then. 
we cut to Eugene and back at school, and this kid says hey to him, and he says sorry, and because it's just kind of like his reflex, his now. reflexes <laughs> now to be apologetic about his existence. <laughs> but uh, oh boy, yeah, poor Eugene, poor Eugene. Um, and then we cut over to Tulip barging in on Emily to tell her to stay away from Jesse. Uh, but Emily, uh, and, and, and Tulip throws her child's art thing, art thing, Emily's child's art thing against the wall and breaks it. And Emily guilts her into repairing it. Um, we see the Green Acre group calling or leaving messages with Miles, the mayor, as he picks out his pants. You laughed at that which, shot. Which pair of khakis yeah. which he going to wear. Which pair of slightly differently shaded khakis should he wear? Uh, which was pretty good. That was great. Um, then we cut back to Tulip using super glue to repair the art thing. She and Emily get to know each other a little bit more. Uh, Cassidy and Jesse are sharing a beer as their clothes are washing at 10 in the morning after the brawl at Sundowner. And uh, Jesse's kind of showing off his ink. Cassidy asks him about the skull and the gear or whatever it is on his yeah. back. And uh, Jesse says a mean old lady gave it to him. <laughs> Which... I don't know if we necessarily know. Maybe that's Danny. I don't know. Potentially. No. I'm okay. going to wait you're you You're going to say no? Okay. Well, anyway. Um, and then Jesse also has a tulip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, which, which Cassidy says that he likes. And then finally, uh, they keep talking about Genesis, and Jesse says that his plans are to keep it and to do more. Uh. Really, the only thing I have to say about Act 1 is that I felt like it was very strangely cut. It seems like the teaser, like they almost wanted the teaser to go a little bit longer than it did, but it gets cut off by the title sequence. That is true, yeah. And then then they come back to it. They come back to it. But then also, I think the, the rhythm of this act is weird because it cuts off in a very strange place with Jesse and Cassidy. Like, it feels like a very abrupt ending to me. So I think... It, there must be a longer cut of this episode out there. They must have had trouble paring it down or something like that. Because it's a good that the teaser is a good twelve minutes of it's the episode. Long, yeah. yeah, so it's. I think they must have had some trouble with that. But. I think this episode is going to look different in another episode because the way the the previous episode uh, from this one, the one that John and Lance and I talked about, I, I remember not being particularly thrilled with it. And I think I, I said as much. I said it felt like a lot of in-between. Versus, Table setting? Yes. Against all the momentum of the previous episodes. And then when I listened to the Insider podcast, uh, they, they were talking a little bit more about how they felt everyone was placed at the end. And I suddenly had a lot more appreciation for it. And so I think that this one, you know, when, when you when looked at it a little bit differently, might be a little bit better. Yeah. And, and my opinion of it might evolve a little bit more. But I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. It felt... This one felt a little bit even more lost because I don't think that... I mean, some things definitely change by the end of the episode. Some characters are in very different places, uh, especially some certain characters. But it does feel like more, like you said, table setting. And it's kind of... It it kind of leads you up to this edge that we're about to jump off of. Yes, so I think the next few episodes are going to be pretty crazy. Yeah. But we'll see. I think the the scene between Tulip and Emily is really great. I I liked that they... You know, we frequently see this contrast of like good girl, bad girl type type of thing, or like outlaw and then like law abiding citizen, so to speak. And 
we get we of course we we get tulip you know we we've understood her all along <laughs> but they keep finding great ways to kind of explain her a little bit more mm-hmm. and so they you know they establish who she is again with with all of her her rundown of what her car is made up of yep and emily just goes nice like <laughs> yeah which what else are you gonna say like she yeah. she doesn't get it and I, I was wondering i'm like are they gonna pull out some tacky like emily just totally knows car lingo too to like add this dimension but i'm glad they didn't because that's just not who she is and she, instead she's just this polite mom who says nice like yeah. that is nice nice for you and then tulip has no idea what this little art creation is <laughs> and she's like i like the ashtray because that's yeah. what she wants to call it the same way Emily says, like, her car. Well, like, it's just a car. Yeah. And then and then Emily goes, no, it's actually a sugar caddy. And Philip's <laughs> kind of looking at it like... And she has this almost awkward moment where she's like, oh, I don't even know what that would be for yeah. because that's not her world. Yeah. And there's the great, even in the scene when Tulip is watching Emily interact with her daughter and she's reflected in the china cabinet right next to the bedroom. And you can see her just kind of looking on. And it was great because I couldn't figure out what she was feeling, like whether yeah. it was resentment for that or... Uh, maybe like a reflection of maybe what she once had or or wanted to have, and we kind of get a little teaser. She says she had a kid once, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, so was she kind of a little bit that way once?" Or you know what I mean? Like her, her she was very. It was a very complex performance. Well, and, and I'm I don't, like, and some some of this is in uh, Acts two, so let, we can we can get into that really quick. What I was just talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay. The part with the kid where where Tulip reveals that she had a kid. At oh, one gotcha. Point. Oh, my bad. So that's okay. Uh, so in Act Two, we see some kids sit with Eugene at school, which seems at weird. At the lunch table. At the lunch table. Yeah, that's so bad. Yeah, that's he has a, like his designated seat. Yeah, where it says pucker him. up. Uh, does it pucker up Eugene? Is yeah, what it says and there's on a the little table. arrow pointed to where he's and he set his his like shake right on yeah. it. And I, was, I was like, like Man. he's just like adhering himself to yeah. their demands, pretty much. Yeah. Um, he really just wants to please people, yep. <laughs> even if it's at his own expense. It's yep. really, uh, it's really something. Uh, Tulip, uh, Tulip and Emily are talking more. Tulip used to be a waitress in LA, it seems. And I don't know if she's talking about where she's been or where she and Jesse have been. It wasn't clear to me whether or not she was sharing about both of them to Emily or just herself. It definitely was both of them after that like whether or not that story was before she met jesse or whether because then she says we mostly you know la's stupid we mostly stayed in the south yeah Southeast, okay i think she says okay so maybe so, that's where they met or maybe maybe they did have a more normal life uh once who knows but we'll see um so then tulip sees emily taking care of her her sick child and she offers to either take care of the kid while Emily goes and does church errands or to do the church errands while Emily takes care of her child. So I was almost reading like you can I think you can almost read her looking at them as her trying as Tulip trying to. I think Tulip's still trying to get under Jesse's skin. Mm-hmm. And it's almost her seeing that she can take an opportunity to get close to people that are important to him. And enter like kind of push herself into his world a little more than there, he's comfortable with. There is definitely something kind of predatory about the whole thing. Yeah, but I don't. I I don't think it's just that simple. Though. Yeah, I, I think, think I think there is genuine. There is a genuine internal moment happening yeah. for her where she is kind of seeing this exchange, and you know, like I said, it could be one of many things. But I, I do think ultimately it's it's a way for her to say like, well, either. It's a win-win. Either I get closer to Emily and eventually I get closer to Jesse or I just am elected to go do the church stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then I get to And then I get Jesse. to go right up to Jesse and yeah. get a little further. And it yeah. is, it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And then uh, before the end of that act, we see Jesse putting a loudspeaker up on the church despite Cassidy's protest, kind of saying, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So that seems like... Uh, it is. I mean, that's pretty telling that the guy who would jump out of a plane. Yeah, it's like, is, maybe you shouldn't do yeah. this. It was actually kind of like, those are angels, man. Like, don't they outrank you? That was really good. Yeah, that was a good conversation. That was really good. Um, yeah, Jesse's, between the last two episodes, uh, this one and the previous one, he's he's definitely got... He's gotten real cocksure. Yeah, yeah, he's got the real God complex, like they were, like they were saying. It's... Yeah. Uh, He's he keeps saying the only person he has to answer to is God, but even then, I don't even know if God came down and told him what to do if he would actually listen. Like yeah. he's definitely pretty bullheaded in this moment. Yeah, it's a, he's almost like to bring it back to Tron Legacy. You almost think it would be like a clue, being like, "I'm doing what you're telling me to do." Yeah, taking it way too literally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, because uh, we got to bring everything back to Tron here on the Midwest Podcast Network, mm-hmm. but. Uh, let's check out Act 3. The kids who have been nice to Eugene offer to show him something awesome, and they trespass into the sewer seemingly to do something nefarious to Eugene, but they actually just do it to shoot off some fireworks. And they're like, isn't it awesome? And Eugene just kind of has this emotional moment of, like, it's beautiful. He has a universe moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. It's all, like you can see in his eyes him realizing, like, maybe I'm not meant to have this right now. In terms of, like, maybe I'm not... I feel like they're depicting Eugene being back in society and okay. Because this is the first time we've seen him doing anything. Like, I don't know if this is... I don't think it's his first time going back to school since... But it's the first time we see him at school. Yeah, and and we can definitely assume immediately from his behavior in the hallway that every day at school for him is pretty much torture. Yes. Yes. But things seem okay almost now that he's been forgiven by Mrs. Loach in the last episode. Yes. Quote unquote forgiven mm-hmm. at the at the hand of Jesse. So it's it's almost like in this moment of observing the fireworks that he's just kind of like that's when we'll we'll talk about it later on. In yes, the episode, yeah. I, I think we'll definitely come back around to that moment. But there's yeah. definitely a, a, a switch flips. Yep. So to speak. Yep. Uh, Miles pulls up at the church as Jesse's setting up chairs outside uh, underneath the loudspeaker. They have their little chairs, huh? That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is really good. I think we've all had those moments, definitely, where you, you want to talk to somebody about something and you just kind of, well, well. <laughs> big gulps, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> um. So Miles is thinking about doing something really wrong, but he's conflicted because he thinks that doing what's right would be worse. Uh, and then he's, it's kind of this conversation of how do you tell the difference between your inner voice and God? So I think the conflicted about doing what's right, I think he feels as though if he turns in Odin that it would kind of hurt the city overall. Yes. Is that kind of what your read on it was? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think Miles is is a relatively good human yeah he's a straight shooter enough and he i would i would imagine that at the end of the day his motivation is to do what's good for the town he seems like he does genuinely care about his community and and he does recognize that although his green acres plan was probably better for the for the community ultimately he recognizes odin's standing as a as kind of a a figurehead thing yeah and 
I do. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's really funny that he's the only one who's actually dealing with the situation. Like, we don't know what <laughs> Odin's up to. Yeah, Odin. He, he's uh, probably just sitting there in his chair. Like, well, no, no. I mean, I, I, they talked about that on the Preacher Insider podcast about how Odin is like super engaged all of a sudden. So, and, tr- and trying to, to follow God. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably in his own way. He's up to something. But it's funny that this particular. He just doesn't He's care. just kind of like, Mayor, go deal with this. And then. Yeah. Or, or probably not even that. Just like yeah. walks away and like goes to do something. And the mayor's standing <laughs> the mayor's there. like, going, I got to tie yeah, up these yeah, loose ends. Yeah, exactly. It's Interesting. Awesome. It's really good. Yeah. Got to put on my work, my work khaki, my cleaning up khakis and <laughs> deal with the situation. A slightly darker shade of khakis because I'm doing evil things. Um, Tulip shows up with the church stuff that Emily asked her to take care of and Cassidy kind of confronts her and realizes that she's Jesse's tulip. Mm-hmm. They kind of both put together the puzzle of like, oh, we are more connected than we thought we were through Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then tulip in the storage shed finds a putt putt golf putter and says, "You kept it to Jesse." And then he's like, "No, I just haven't thrown it away yet, or something like that." Mm-hmm. So it's something from their past of import. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what that's from. from. Adventures in the Southeast. Yeah. Uh, And then Act 4, which is the final act of this episode, Jesse is waiting to open up the church as Emily comes in to talk to him, and he's kind of checking his conscience against Emily, being like, is this, this is all good, right? There's more people here. And then she's like, I don't know. And then he's like, no, but it's good. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So... It's it's interesting. We talk about how much Eugene is like the emotional center of the show. Emily's kind of the conscience a little bit. Like they're both they're both serving a similar purpose in different ways. Yes. So that's kind of interesting to note. Yeah, and Jesse's uh, Jesse's head I think is really whirling at this point. Yeah. And even more so with 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 what is Eugene. about to come. Yeah. But he he was so he was so lost initially, and yep. then he finds he finds exactly what he wants to what he what he thinks he wants essentially, and it's kind of almost like uh, Eugene says to him in, in in the in the rest of the scene, and he says you're, you're just you're you're telling I think it was Eugene who said something like you're just telling people what they want or something like that yeah or what you think they want yeah and Jesse thinks he has what he wants because he clearly is dealing with a lot of other stuff and and. And there's a really interesting... Well, well, we'll get to it. But he's... I think now he was so certain in his course of action. And he was so sure that it was God. Yep. And then, A, it's not God. B, there's angels and demons running around. And C, what he thinks he has is not what he thought it was. And maybe he was not even chosen for any particular reason. Like, that yeah. was one of the things he wanted to know was, why did it choose me? And they just said, we don't know. Yeah. And I think that was one thing I, I really wanted maybe have him deal with a little bit more is whether he was randomly chosen or what, if there's a purpose to it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, that's kind of a question that we have. I don't know if it, if it ended up on my question list at the beginning, but we kind of very, the pilot of the show depicts these other people not being able to handle Genesis. Mm-hmm. And, but yet Jesse is able to harness it and use it. Unlike the other people who exploded before him. Right. So it seems almost like, and and there's, it's interesting because there there's something very different in this portrayal of Jesse that's very different from the. I've been continuing my my read through of the series. Yeah, and there's Jesse's very. He still is very. I, I forgot how different he is. Yeah, he's very different because Jesse in the book is 
kind of a crappy protagonist because he doesn't have a ton of depth. He's well, th- that's true, and it's not. I guess he he has he's very interesting. He's led a very interesting life, and there's a lot that has happened to him. But Jesse is a very very straightforward kind of John Wayne type of character where you know exactly what he's about. He, there's no, there's not a lot of subtlety to him or angles. Mm-hmm. He's just very black and white. And he's a very like Southern kind of archetype of just like, he's a straight shooter. He's a good guy. He'll do what's right. And he won't waver. And that's, that really pretty much never changes throughout the comic. So in yeah. a way you pretty much always know how he's going to react to something before he does. And he's just always does what he thinks is good no matter what. And in the in the show, and and he do, in the book he doesn't seem like he's done a lot of bad stuff either. Yeah. Like he's done some he's beaten up people and that kind of thing. But it's always been like, well, he had it coming, or like <laughs> you disrespected a lady in the presence. It's that it's that kind of thing. He has this weird like kind of chival- southern chivalry to him. Yeah. And in in the show, he's obviously done things he's remorseful of, and he does kind of bad things, and he kind of shuns people, and he kind of he's disrespects with people. His inner conflicts. Yeah, and of, he, he does negative things. He yeah. he abuses his power. And it's just kind of funny because I'm reading the comic and I'm like, I forgot how what a hilarious kind of cartoon he is in the comic because he just runs around and <laughs> does whatever he wants. But it's always kind of like for the good. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. But anyway, the, there's I think that there's more to come on that, I think, in the future. Yeah. Uh, so then Eugene comes in to talk to Jesse and Jesse he wants Jesse to undo the forgiveness from Mrs. Loach that Jesse kind of thrust upon both of them. And uh, he doesn't think God would like him being forgiven, and he feels that Jesse's use of Genesis... He doesn't... He doesn't... He knows Jesse did something weird. He doesn't know what Genesis is, obviously, but in my words, he thinks Jesse's use of Genesis is cheating, while Jesse's kind of still believing that it's... That he's doing God's will via Genesis. Um, Jesse thinks that he can use Genesis to fulfill his father's promise. He says this thing of, like... I'm going to lead them to the light and then I will be free in terms of like, yeah, almost like it's a curse that's been put upon mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And that was really interesting. He says, I, I, I will fulfill that promise and then I will be free. Yeah. That was very, I don't even know what to make of it yet. Yeah. So that, that'll be more on that in the future. Probably. Um, Eugene tells uh, Jesse that people need to choose and that he can't just make them see the light. Uh, which I think is an important realization. Mm-hmm. It's something that Jesse isn't hearing, really. No. And then Jesse <laughs> tells Eugene to go to hell using Genesis, and Eugene disappears into thin air. Yep. Uh, we hear some hell sounds. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Eugene's gone, which is sad. I Hell sounds. <laughs> hell sounds dot AIF. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And not that it's funny, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> So, and, then, and then just this cut to like burning corpses. Yeah, cut cut to yeah. the burning. I was like, man, is that is that him? And then yeah, no, there like, he is. Huh? <laughs> so then we see these burning or burnt corpses in a car that's been overturned on the highway, and it turns out that this is the staged event that Miles or Odin or both of them are using to kind of tell the Green Acres group that. Uh, the highway patrol found their car overturned and exploded in the highway mm-hmm. pretty much. And that's how they're covering up their death. So that was the end of the episode. Um, yeah. So any more thoughts on Eugene and Jesse's conversation? It's, 
it was very it was very striking. Like yeah. it was very intense on on many levels. Because it feels you, like a turning point for Jesse. Yeah, and yeah. and absolutely, and for the for the series as a whole, because yeah. the complexity of of Jesse continues to to grow, mm-hmm. and now that he's he's not listening, he's not even listening to God anymore. Because if he thinks you know internally, this is what God wants. He, he's I, I would I'd be willing to bet that. If we went back in the series, and I could totally be wrong, but I'm just kind of guessing that if we went back early in the series, there would probably be some sort of scene of Jesse describing that someone has to make a choice, and you can't, yeah, you can't just be told that's not how it works or something like that. You have to make a choice to be better, yeah. And uh, and now Eugene's kind of throwing it back at him, and it's it's great because Eugene is so vocal, like he's very he's been a very passive character, and uh, now he really like takes a stand and and makes his his feelings really known. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's great. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was a great scene with a horrible ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so one of my questions is, is that the end of Eugene? I think he's gone. Could be. Yeah, mm. but you never know. I mean. No, because, and, and the show is starting to go in places where there are, there are many scenes and there are many things where I kind of know what's going to happen or what, or what would happen in the book. But there are, there are things that are happening that I, I don't know where it's going. There's a lot so comic wise. Not that we want to spoil anything for people who are maybe reading the comic. Is this off the books for Eugene? Yes. Does Eugene stick around longer in the comic? Obviously, because yeah. you even talked about last time that the, the, maybe season two is going to pick up where season where like where the book issue one starts. starts. <laughs> yeah, and so and Eugene's in there, mm-hmm. so it's not like uh, it's not like he disappears beforehand you know yeah like, the show the show was running kind of concurrently and prior to the book at the same time so yeah. i don't know if there's ever going to be an instance where we feel like okay now we're here yeah it's going to be like a just sort of an, a case-by-case case yeah basis um there, but in the case of you like specifically on eugene eugene is this is a different yeah this is a different path for eugene <laughs> than is taken in the comics okay and uh, I, it, it could be a very finite one, or a very, yeah. yeah, I don't know where it's going to go. It's weird because he's in the main credits. Yeah, Ian Coletti, I think, is his name. Well, so. and and we would be, I, I would think that he is literally in hell right now. Uh, but but it, 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 his interpretation of hell might be different than what we think of with hell. And then even on top of that, I could see him maybe coming back as like a figment of Jesse's. Like he could be that. Angel on Jesse's shoulder, uh, in the in the sense, it would be whatever they're gonna do with Eugene. It's pretty clever because, like I've like I've said before, he's pretty useless in the comic. Yeah, and he just kind of floats around and weirdly pops up uh, here and there. And he initially exists as a force of vengeance, <laughs> like he wants to kill Jesse. Yeah, and then he just kind of is around, and you like he won't be you, nothing. You won't see him for like six issues, and then he just shows up again for a little bit, and you're like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and he really serves no purpose. And in this yeah. series, he's had so much purpose. And if he is gone, it's going to be, I mean, in, in the traditional sense, he's not there anymore. It's going to be a bummer. He's yeah. really, really, really amazing. Absolutely, and it's a great performance and uh, great writing. And he's just a uh, he's the total opposite of the comic where it's. It's, it's really a delight every time he's around. You yeah. know, it's usually something terrible happening to him. <laughs> but it's uh, he's just really great. And and the, there is something massive that happened in this episode that I can't talk about without spoiling. But it's it's really subtle. 
and I know what it's what it's leading towards, and I, I'm so just excited to see. Interesting. I, I'm ex- I'm really excited for the threads that they do have from the comic that are continuing to to pull in that direction because yeah. they're they're just so. Like I said, the comic is perfect. It's it's so well written and so well plotted that when things when things that are directly happening uh, in the book happen in the series, it's just really exciting. Interesting. Uh, other questions that I had is: Will God come into play, and what does he think about Jesse using Genesis? I mm. think. That's something that I just yeah that is good. They directly like Jesse kind of comments that Fiorin he's like Fiorin de Blanc you guys are just like low level who cares like you don't know what God wants and maybe this came to me because of God yeah which that's, is and, which entirely is possible interesting yeah um the possibilities are definitely pretty wide because they and they're in a way they're not so different from Jesse like they think their purpose is very clear yeah and they they are so sure of but it, what, it's, what it is it seems like so they're they're definitely the guys they're there unregistered they're on Earth unregistered they're there to clean up a mess that they got into it's like the uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy but it's like they're trying they're trying to clean up something that's their fault yeah before I mean, a, before the big guy figures out. Or, or learns about it, you know? Yeah, in a way what they're... I don't want to say they're like Miles, but they're kind of in a, in a predicament where there's a problem that... that in Maybe it wasn't their fault, but it's their responsibility. Yeah. And they're trying to figure As out the, the best, the quickest way out of it. And uh, the... the I'm glad that they are maintaining their role. Okay, so the only thing about this episode that doesn't sit well with me... Um, there's a couple little things, but the the major thing that really stands out to me is I I don't like this idea of these angels just showing up whenever they want on heaven. Because in the comic, there's very little interaction with heavenly bodies. Okay, there's very very little. The whole the the main thrust of the comic is all about humans dealing with Jesse's situation and human reaction to Jesse. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we're early in the series, so not a lot of people know about it. It's not this, and and it gets it get the the conflict is it becomes global in the comic, like it's this huge thing, and because you got to think, if somebody was suddenly to start walking on the earth with the with the voice of God and could command, it would it would make the news, and yeah. <laughs> it would start to get to get known. But there's not a lot, there's not a ton of interaction with bodies with beings directly from an otherworldly force. There are some, but they're pretty much all in the beginning, and okay. and they're kind of in the same capacity that Fior and DeBlanc are. Fior and DeBlanc are two characters directly from the comic. Okay, uh, spoilers, and <laughs> they're real. They're real people from the comic, and so I'm 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 really loving all of the reactions we're getting from the other characters. Like the, everything with Donnie, yep. is really really good, and and I, most of those guys are they're not in this episode. Yeah, so I'm wondering what they're doing, what they're up to. I wanted to comment, I think, because. You had shared a theory, I think, two or th- like three or four episodes back about somebody figuring out what the preacher's doing. I think mm-hmm. Donnie's the one best placed right now to understand that Definitely. the preacher is doing something strange, especially because of that reaction that he has to Odin having gone to church, mm-hmm. which I wanted to talk about that scene because the like you can see the huge cogs in his head turning as he's like putting one and one the, together the, the, the two gears actually in Donnie's <laughs> yeah. brain the sure. only two that yeah. are in there are, are like <laughs> struggling to figure out like mm-hmm. to put it all together and then he finally does it seems like he's the one that might lead the witch hunt almost yes. yep uh which is which is interesting and we still have yet to really 
Other than Donnie, we have yet to see what happens when people either a the effects wear off or they figure it out, so to speak. Like yeah. how long they'll be able to to we we don't know what the what the half life is on it. Yeah, the human interactions are what are what are so interesting in the book is watching mortals deal with this power and, yeah. and what it can do, and then all all of the mortal forces that try to get Jesse and sway him to their side. You know that kind of thing. Those those are the things that are really interesting, and the. The idea that these seraphims might keep bombing on down to Earth throughout the rest of the series, and they'll have to deal As with that like an antagonistic force. Yeah, to... it's not particularly appealing to yeah. me at all because it feels like it's going to quickly get like bogged down in some just not interesting action. And and without like in the in the in the comic when your most your most extreme force for the most part is Cassidy, who's kind of this weird anomaly. Like okay, you've yeah. got this vampire. And the rest of it is pretty much all humans with human interests, with some very noteworthy exceptions. But in general, that that's the main conflict. Uh, that's what's so interesting, I think, is all these inter interhuman interactions over what, yeah, what exactly Genesis is, what does it mean, why is it Jesse, what's Jesse going to do with it, and so it was fun. The, like I said, the opening is very it's very fun. It's an entertaining sequence. But I don't want to keep having these scenes where. We get into these like angels coming down and Jesse having to fend these things. I off. feel like this show in particular, the way the things that we've seen of it, would almost use this teaser as the this is what needs to happen when these seraphim come, like when when Jesse is dealing with these heavenly people, mm-hmm. and almost be like be like a. Like they could cut, they could cut out of the action very quickly to just be kind of like, that's what happened here. If another seraphim or somebody like that comes to jail, like, yeah, I guess th- I just this don't... was their full exploration of it, and then maybe in the future they'll just touch on like, oh, got another visit. Here's well, and the... it, it does seem like the seraphim is only there to deal with Fior and DeBlanc. Yes. So as long as that thread gets tied up then i would imagine there's not a lot of reason for because like they said we don't want others to find out that genesis is loose yeah and as long as that gets addressed and and wrapped up at some point then that's probably fine i just don't like the idea of the rest of the series jesse like looking around like oh is that person watching over yeah because it's just not it's just distracting yeah and we're not we're not dealing we're not this isn't a cold war thriller movie about heaven versus hell versus earth in the middle no it's about a guy with an incredible power and and, yeah. and his mission which um in one of the episodes of the insider podcast they did they did say where the series is ultimately going and it was pretty exciting but uh it's kind of spoilery so i guess i don't really want to talk okay. about it but yeah that that whole bit didn't I, I was like i don't i hope this is not the way this show's going because you know like the constantine show it, it's neat and constantine obviously has interactions with angels it's kind of a thing but every time an angel shows up in a show you're kind of like come on yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, and I was gonna say I am getting big Constantine vibes in terms of like the the movie Constantine, which everybody who's listened to our other podcast knows I'm a very big apologist for. Um, <laughs> the only apologist for the no, but uh, it's it, one of the questions in that movie is like, what if God is just kind of a petulant? Like everything be- between God and the devil is just a bet. Like, you guys hold all of this in the high esteem, but it's just higher powers toying with you. And I feel like that's coming through in this show a little bit right now. Like, it could, that's a possibility that's out there to me. But, um, so I'm kind of curious about the, the, how heaven works in this world of like what, 
what is God doing and like what does this war mean? And you kind of want to know being how, how big of a problem is this actually? Yeah, exactly. To anybody beyond yes. humans. So, so I, you know, that's a great question to be asking. Yeah, that's actually. Either your your insight is so wonderful, which I th- which I think it is, I think it is, or the show's doing that good of a job of making you think about these. I think things. it's a mix of both. I think it is because there there are some questions asked, particularly in this episode of well, how do you know you're right? Well, yep. how do you know you're right? And don't, and 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 comments on like the ranking of things and who answers to who. Yep. And so it is it is raising these kind of questions like well, how what's big, the hierarchy? Of, how big of a deal is this? Because yeah. yeah, you see some very you see some relatively small problems in this episode. Yeah. But it's all it's all perspective. Like you see Emily who's like, oh god, my kid is sick and I need to buy paper plates and wine for church. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jesse's like, oh. This heavenly body is inside of me. What do yeah. I do with it? And you, it's all a matter of perspective. And Fiore and DeBlanca are like, we're going to get killed by our higher-ups. Yes. Because <laughs> we be, shouldn't We're going to be blinked out of existence or, yeah. or worse. You know? Yeah, it is, it is true. And that, that's, a, that's a wonderful question to be asking. And one that I think is pretty core to the whole main, to the main thrust of Preacher. So all right. that's awesome. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap it up then. Any final thoughts on the episode? No, I think, it, uh, again, I, I leave... I leave every week more excited for the next. Uh, yeah. I think that there's a lot. There really is a lot happening, and uh, I'm excited to see it keep happening. I, it's nice that I know that we have talked in the past personally and maybe on the podcast of like one of the things that was so refreshing about Arrow season one is that they were answering questions, and I feel like this show, the preacher, is showing us that they are going to answer questions. Like we're not going <laughs> to wait forever to hear about Genesis. I feel like we're going to know more about the cowboy by the end of the season. Yeah, that was one of my big fears. Was uh, I love the, I love that we can talk about Arrow season one as refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a show where wow, what a what a first season that is. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I was really worried, and, and it's been well documented on this podcast that I was like, let's not. I, I don't want to fart around too much. Yeah, and I, I was concerned from the pilot. Even I was like, is there going to be too much? F- just screwing around in Anvil. Yeah. And they've, yes, I think is the answer, yeah. but it's not bad. It's serving a purpose. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, it, and it's compelling. Like they, yeah. they're doing a great job of making me invested in these other smaller characters where you, I wouldn't, they they could be throwaway characters in another TV show. Yeah. You know? But they have so much personality injected to them, each of them. Like, I mean, all it takes is just a little boom, booming shot of, of Miles just contemplating his three his pants to make me just laugh. I'm like, hey, it's it's funny, but it's also just another facet of this guy. Like, wow, this is this dude's life. Yep, it's amazing. That's yeah. that's his problem for the morning. Is which <laughs> pair of pants do I put on? It's Beautiful. wonderful. Like each character is a character, and yep. that's that's remarkable in any medium, let alone long form storytelling. Like, there's a lot of shows that just can't do that. They totally. can't crack that code. So uh, good on the powers. Of Preacher. Yeah. Keep All right. doing what you're doing. Yes. Uh, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on G2TPodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, so check us out there. Uh, we're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at G2TPodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on air. Please send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. We'd like to hear from you, so let us know you're out there. 
Uh, if you want to hear Nick and I talk about film with a few other friends, please be sure to check out the Midwest Film Nerds podcast at MidwestFilmNerds.com. And then the Midwest Podcast Network also has a video game podcast called the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. Check that out at MidwestGameNerds.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it's being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. And uh, go forth and speak the good word.